God's people are laden with many problems like fear. Mentioned some 453 times in the Word of God. There is the battle that most of us battle with is guilt. God's people, you begin to sit down and talk with people before long. You see this testimony, this expression of of past sins that they've asked the Lord to forgive them, but they're having a hard time accepting that to forgive themselves. And some of you are battling with that as well. And I think about that. I think about uh, so many problems that we have in our lives today, and we could talk about national scenes. Uh, There are a lot of things that break my heart and make me angry. I think about the threat of China. I think about the war in Jerusalem or Israel. I think about the Marxist ideology that's taking over every aspect of the institutions of our country. I think about the abuse of children today. That ought to break our hearts. The abuse of children The bizarre is the atmosphere of our day. I think about Judges chapter 21 and verse 25. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. As I said, perhaps even yesterday or perhaps in a class, four centuries of the history of that time, and that was the estimation. Every man did that which was right in his own eyes. Isaiah says in Isaiah chapter 5 and verse 20, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil. There are a lot of things that make me angry. And one of the results of anger, there is a proper place for anger. We do get angry at sin. But one of the the, uh, results of anger sometimes is a word called bitterness. Bitterness. I want to talk about bitterness for a few moments. And I'm going to look at a text, and I'm sure you've seen this and read this on many occasions. But bitterness is to become harsh and disagreeable. Irritable, to be angry, to crowd oneself. It has the idea of friction, having friction in your mind, in your heart. This thing of friction. A story is told of a man who was bitten by a dog and later discovered that he had contracted rabies. And this was in a time when there was nothing to be done about rabies as it is today, no cure at that time. The doctor had the bleak assignment of bringing the bad news to his patient. He said, sir, everything, uh, everything possible will be done to make you comfortable, but we can't offer any false hope to you. My best advice to you is to get your affairs in order as soon as possible. The dying man sank back in depression and shock, but finally he rallied enough strength to ask the nurse for a piece of, pen, uh, a, a piece of paper and a pen, and he began to write furiously. An hour later, when the doctor returned, the man was still writing. And the doctor said, well, it's good to see that you've taken my advice. I take your, uh, you're working on your will. This ain't no will, doc, said the man. It's a list of people I plan on biting before I die. You'll get that at lunchtime today. Bitterness, bitterness, it's contagious. It's an anger that we build up in our lives. Bitterness is the atmosphere produced in us internally when we meditate over life circumstances and decide that we've not been given a fair share. It's that kind of poison that bubbles up in our hearts and reminds us again that we've not, we think we have not been treated fair in our lives. Oh my, bitterness is harbored hurt hidden in the heart. It's that feeling of hurt, resentment, anger, hate, even revenge that often builds up in our hearts when we've been bitten by a bitter experience. I was thinking about this. Bitterness can come 
as a result of someone encroaching upon our idols. May I say that again? Bitterness can rise up in our souls as a result of someone encroaching, someone messing with our idols. Think about that. Oh, my. President-elect Franklin Pierce, he was our 14th president from 1853 to 1857. He was the only president thus far in our country that refused to use a Bible in his inauguration because just prior to his inauguration, some weeks previous to that, he and his wife and his son, Benny, were in a, in a train wreck, terrible train wreck. Uh, President uh, Pierce and his dear wife were unharmed, but their son, Benny, at the age of 11, was killed. He became very bitter toward God. Pierce could not imagine how God would let such a thing happen, so he refused to have a Bible during his swearing in, a, in office. And sometimes, my friend, it is this matter that we're not only bitter toward others, but we can be bitter toward God. And oh, ladies and gentlemen, I just want to come today and share with you from, uh, again, uh, a few years of experience in life. It is, it is very possible that God's people, even God's servants, even God's men, God's ladies, God's missionaries, God's pastors, Listen, we can become bitter in our soul about something that has happened in our lives and we don't think it's fair. And there is that anger that begins to burn. And it is so dangerous to our lives and to our relationship to the Lord. Some are bitter toward a boss that fired them, a father who abused, a mother who mistreated, a church that ignored you, a pastor who forgot you, and in our day, sad to say, a family mem member who sexually abused you. Bitterness is a cruel cancer that eats in the very depths of our hearts, the secret place of our hearts. Bitterness. The Bible has much to say about this matter of bitterness. You can look it up and find some 60 times the words bitter or bitterly or bitterness are used in the Scripture. You have verses like this in Colossians 3, verse 19. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Paul would say in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 30, Let all bitterness and wrath and anger and clamor and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Oh, ladies and gentlemen, it is this possibility. Even God warns us about this thing of bitterness creeping into your heart and your life. And maybe you've not even put a title to the to the mistreatment that you've gone through with. And yet there is that anger, that bitterness that burns in those times of contemplation in your life. You think about those times. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 12, and look at verse 15, looking diligently, lest any man fail or come behind of the grace of God, lest any root of bitterness springing up trouble you, and thereby many be defiled. We look at chapter 12, Hebrews chapter 12, and really it's giving us this matter of being in the race. Look at verse 1 and 2. What to guard against if you're going to finish well? Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight in the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of, of God. And there are some things that will hinder us from not finishing well. 
and he starts talking about this matter of God's chastisement upon his children. And yet there again, he says, despise not the chastening of the Lord because it's a, it's a good thing. God uses it to grow us and to strengthen us and to expand us and to stretch us for his honor and glory. But there is this matter also in verse 15 of the bitterness. Bitterness is the poison that guarantees spiritual defeat. Bitterness will destroy your worship of God. Bitterness, my dear friend, it will, it will take away your joy and your delight. Bitterness will damage, damage your work. Bitterness will defile your witness for Him. It will taint your testimony. And it will seal the lips of a soul winner if you're living with bitterness in your heart and your life. Oh, my friend, I want you to know as I bring this message, my heart is heavy, my heart is convicted in my own life. I want to give you an illustration of this. Yesterday we were in Hebrews and we were also in the book of Acts. I'm going to ask you to turn back to the book of Acts, if you would, please. Acts chapter 8. I want to give you an illustration of what we're talking about. And I want to be very careful here of the, of the clock, but I want to just read a, a lengthy passage that you'll get the context, so I won't have to spend a whole lot of time bringing this to your attention. But I want you to look in Acts chapter 8, and I want to begin reading in verses 5 through the end of the chapter. Acts chapter 8. Look at this, if you would, please. Acts chapter 8. The Word of God says in Acts chapter 8 in verse 5, Then Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And the people with one accord gave heed unto those things which Philip spake, hearing and seeing the miracles which he did. For unclean spirits, crying with loud voice, came out of many that were possessed with them, and many taken with palsies, and that were lame were healed. I have a line drawn in my Bible from verse 5, the end of verse 5 down to verse 8. Verse 5 again says, Philip went down to the city of Samaria and preached Christ unto them. And I love verse 8, and there was great joy in that city. Could this be an example of revival? Oh, I know, I know the heart of this ministry here is revival. And I look at that, but look at verse 9, but, oh, this spoils the picture. But there was a certain man called Simon, which before time in the same city used sorcery and bewitched the people of Samaria, giving out that himself was some great one to whom they all gave heed from the least to the greatest, saying, This man is the great power of God. And to him that had regard, because that of a long time, he was, had bewitched them with sorceries. But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. Now, I want to stop here and just give you my opinion. I do not believe this was a saved man. I believe here was a superficial faith. I believe here, here was man that was just a man trying to, there again, to get entrusted with the power that he saw through Philip and the apostles to come. And he was baptized. Hey, you can be baptized and be an unbeliever. You can, it's possible. But look at this, if you would, please. Verse 14, now, when the apostles were at Jerusalem, they heard that Samaria had received the word of God. They sent unto them Peter and John, who, when they were come down, prayed for them that they might receive the Holy Ghost. For as yet he was fallen upon none of them, only they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And we know there are at least three occasions in the book of Acts we find the Spirit of God coming to begin this initial ministry, as we find in the book of Acts, of course, uh, of the church, but how the Spirit of God would indwell them. 
In verse 17, they, then laid they their hands on them and they received the Holy Ghost. And when Simon saw that through laying on the apostles' hands that the Holy Ghost was given, he offered them money, saying, Give me also this power, that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Another evidence, I don't think this guy was saved. Verse 22, Repent therefore of this thy wickedness, and pray God if perhaps the thought of thine heart may be forgiven thee. Verse 23, look at verse 23. This is our text here. For I perceive that thou art in the gall, in the, in the poison of bitterness, and in the bond of iniquity. You're chained to sin. Then answered Simon and said, Pray ye to the Lord for me that none of these things which you have spoken come upon me. Now look at this passage and very quickly in the time allotted me, I want to conclude. I want to share with you some things that I trust the Lord will use. First of all, let's talk about the cause of bitterness. The cause of bitterness. I believe there are three main sources that can cause bitterness. I look at verse 18, and when Simon saw, I, looked at, I look at that, and I see that first of all, folks, what can cause bitterness in our lives so many times? It is other people. It's people. I believe that personality conflicts, jealousy over what people have and we don't have. And I see this all the time, inconsistency in others, failures of others. And we see that all the time. And the Lord's going to make sure that we notice that. You put your eyes upon other people and you're going to be discouraged. But you put your eyes upon the Lord Jesus Christ and you'll be delighted. We've got to keep our focus upon him. And so I see that one of the great causes of bitterness in our lives is this matter of people. Be aware of how you allow yourself to feel about other people. And then there are personal problems or defects. I don't like the way God made me. There are a lot of people that are bitter in their lives because they look in the mirror so many times. They don't like what they see. They step on the scales. They don't like what they see. And actually, they become bitter at God for making them like that. Oh, my, we need to be very careful. I'm glad Fanny Crosby, all of those years, a blind, blind lady, she never allowed that to stop her from serving the Lord. I think about the Apostle Paul. I, I just think he was a sight to behold because he had been beaten and all of the miles and all of the burdens on his life. He was pro I just think of him as a bent-over man, scarred, but he never allowed that to cause his heart to not rejoice because of the love of his Lord in his life. There is this matter of people, personal problems. What about the place, the inconvenience of the environment that God has placed us in? God changes. He changes our circumstances. I think I heard a message yesterday about that. The Lord changes our lives. He puts us in different situations. And oh, we get upset about that. Perhaps God moved you from your favorite place. Maybe some of you are still grieving because you're not home. Maybe some of you there again have been upset because you've been moved from your favorite school or whatever it may be. And there is this bitterness that's in your heart, in your life, and that can happen. I think there are not only three main sources that cause bitterness, but let me be more specific. I think there are three main snares realized in this passage here. Look at verse 18 and 19 again of Acts chapter 8. It says in this passage, And when Simon saw that through laying on 
of the apostles' hands, the Holy Ghost was given. He offered them money, saying, Give me also this power that on whomsoever I lay hands, he may receive the Holy Ghost. I think we can see here, this is something else that can cause bitterness, and that is unwise desires. Unwise desires. Simon desired a gift that was only an apostolic gift. He wanted something that God did not put upon him. And so many times in our lives, we want something that God is not willing to give to us. And we become bitter about that. There are things that you're wishing for, things that you think you ought to have in your life. And again, we find that that is not God's will. Unwise desires. Look at verse 20. I think another specific snare that causes bitterness is unfulfilled desires. In verse 20 it says, But Peter said unto him, Thy money perish with thee, because thou hast thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Peter said, No. Peter said, No, 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 no. Hey, how do we react to God's nose? How do we react when it is very evident and plain in our lives that God has, as we have prayed and we wish for this, and God says, No, no. Sometimes that causes bitterness within the depths of our hearts and our lives. Unfulfilled desires for our lives, for our ministries, for our families. And I look at verse 18 again. I'll not read that, but I see not only unwise desires and unfulfilled desires, but uncontrolled desires. He offered a bribe. He he tried to buy it. I have to have that. I've got to get that. I need that in my life, and I'll do anything. And folks, there again, this will cause bitterness, even in the life of God's people. Well, I could go on there concerning the cause of bitterness, but what about the course of bitterness? Well, I look at verse 18 and 19. Again, you look at that. It breeds sin. He tried to pervert the gift of God. Hey, folks, bitterness will lead us to sin. We will have great sin in our lives. We will trespass those things, those boundaries that God has given to us. Even in the Christian realm, even in Christian ministry, we want to fudge, fudge on the lines, on the borders. We want to compromise a little bit so that we can gain something that God says, no, I don't want you to have. It causes bitterness in our lives. It breeds sin. It breeds suffering. Again, verse 20, Peter says to him, Let me use the terminology from a guy that is from Durham, North Carolina. He says, get out of here. You don't belong here. You don't belong here. And folks, there again, this matter, it brings suffering to our lives. He can't go back home. He doesn't fit in the church. Oh, my friend, do you fit? Do you fit? Do you fit with your classmates? Do you fit in the ministry God has placed you? Oh, my friend, that is so important. It brings sin. It brings suffering. What are the consequences of bitterness, number three? The consequences of bitterness. Well, there is spiritual consequences. There is the loss of the ability to love God as we should. Did you know that? Oh, listen, nobody knows about this little anger that I, uh, you know, I have in my heart in my life. Well, God does. And guess what? It will show up because of the loss of the ability to love God. 1 John chapter 4, verses 20 and 21. If a man say, I love God, and hateth his brother, he is a liar. For he that loveth not his brother whom he hath seen, how can he love God whom he hath not seen? And this commandment have us, uh, we from him, that he who loved, loveth God love his brother also. 
Ladies and gentlemen, there again, we cannot grow. We cannot have the victory in our lives if there is hatred towards someone else. We're not willing to forgive them. There is this anger that we have. I mean, for years sometimes of that person that stood in our way and said, no, no. It also, not only the loss of the ability to love God, but the lack of spiritual growth. You're not going to grow like you ought to in your life if you're harboring bitterness in your life, sir, ma'am. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 1 through verse 3. And I, brethren, cannot speak unto you as unto spiritual, but as unto carnal, even as unto babes in Christ. I have fed you with milk, not uh, with meat. For hitherto you were not able to bear it, neither yet now are you able. For you are yet carnal, you're fleshly. For whereas there is among you envying and strife and divisions, are you not carnal and walk as men? The Word of God is very clear on this, and we need to understand this. We're not going to grow spiritually. There is not only the loss of the ability to love God if we harbor bitterness, there's a lack of spiritual growth. I believe there's a lingering doubt about our salvation. Some of you very well may be struggling with this thing of, of the security of Christ, that you're in Him, and you, you're doubting all the time. It could be because of bitterness in your heart that you're harboring. You have not taken care of that. And my friend, I encourage us about that. There's the spiritual consequences. There are the emotional consequences. The little news that I do watch in these past weeks and months, this is a phrase that keeps arising over and over again. It's called mental illness. Mental illness. Mental health. Mental health. We've got to do something. You see, when you push God aside and you throw the Bible out, people try, well, let's try to help one another. And that's, that's crazy. That's crazy. Man cannot help one another without God, without His direction, without His purposes, without His plans. Mental health. I believe a lot of the problem today is just bitterness. A lot of young people are bitter, thus they're killing and shooting. I think about depression. It's a feeling of helplessness over circumstances which we have no control there's exhaustion, physically worn out. That's a good subject for you. Some of you have stayed up all night studying. It didn't help a bit. But anyway, physically worn out. I just, I know a lot of Christians, I'm just, oh, I'm worn out. I'm, I'm just out of breath. I hear that all the time. I heard about uh, a, a dear lady that was that way, and she went to the doctor. And she wanted to find out what was wrong with her. And after a while, her spilling out her ailments, uh, she, the doctor said, I, I really don't see anything wrong with you physically that we can tend to. And she said, are you trying to tell me it's all in my head? He said, no, it's all in your heart. Ooh, that must have been a Christian doctor. Their self-hatred as well. We become like what we focus upon. You're bitter towards someone and you just, man, you can't stand to look at her or look at him. And if you're not careful, you're going to look just like them. You're going to be just like them. Be careful about that in your life. And there are physical consequences, high blood pressure, stress-related diseases. I don't know anything about that, but anyway, it's there. Last of all, let's close. The cause of bitterness, the course of bitterness, the consequences of bitterness. What about the cure of bitterness? It's very simple. You know this. What's the cure of bitterness? Well, there's confession. It's a sin. The Lord's already warned us in His Word. It's a sin. Have you confessed it? Hey, are you willing to dare to, to brave up and to stand and say, I'm, I'm sinning against the Lord. 
I'm harboring this hurt, this pain, this anger in my life. And you haven't taken care of it. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Paul would say again in Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 32, And be ye kind one to another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God, for Christ's sake, hath forgiven you. You've heard this preach, and I have too, and I, and I recommend. There are, there are times those who have upset us, those who have hurt us, those who have trespassed upon us in some way, somehow, there are opportunities that we can get with that person and work it out and get an apology and say, I'm sorry. There are opportunities for you to do that. And when you do have opportunities, that's a good thing. But can I say this? And uh, uh, I, I don't, some would disagree with this. Sometimes, I'm just telling you my experience. Sometimes in my ministry, when we preached on this, some of these old guys that have been married three or four times, they feel like they need to go, go and, and apologize to their exes. All of my exes live in Texas. Ooh. And they want to go back and, and invade that family, that happy family. I don't know if they're happy or not. Don't get divorced, okay? Just don't do that. You will be better then. But listen, they want to go back and, and, and just invade someone's life and apologize. Let's get things right. Sometimes that's not real wise to do that. Bud Parker was a friend of mine, pastored Faith Baptist Church in Linville, North Carolina, big guy, mountain guy, had that philosophy, just, just a mountain of a man, loved him so much he's home with the Lord now. He used to come out with the funniest expressions I've ever heard. I, I, was, I, I was hearing him preach one time, and he talked about this very thing of trying to go back and invade other people you have, have, who trespassed upon you, are you trespassed upon them? And again, a lot of times we can do that and we recommend that. But at the same time, be careful. And he used this expression. This ought to be in the Bible somewhere, but it's not. He said, you know, he said, you know a bulldog can whip a skunk, but it ain't worth the stink. <laughs> Write that down. That's profound, isn't it? That's mountain wisdom. And I think that's applicable at this point. Confession. But here's the answer. Here's the answer. Concentration upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Are you, let's go back to Hebrews 12. We'll conclude here. In Hebrews chapter 12. Oh, don't you love this book? Hebrews chapter 12. Look at verse 2 and 3. Here's the answer, folks. What are you? concentrating on unwise desires, unfulfilled desires, uncontrolled desires. I look at this passage here, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest you be weary and faint in your minds. Hey, folks, that's what we need to concentrate upon the Lord Jesus Christ. Oh, do you love him today? Are you focusing upon the Lord Jesus Christ? Oh, I, I just, my time is gone, and I, I want to give more illustrations, but I, I look, go back to Hebrews uh, here in chapter 12. I go back to the book of Acts, and Philip was preaching Christ, and there was joy in that city. Hey, you know what hinders revival? Bitterness. 
bitterness, hinders fellowship with God. I would encourage you to practice a life of forgiveness. Pursue a life of fellowship. Promote a life of forgetfulness. Forget those things that are behind. Look to Christ. I was thinking some time ago, years ago, there was an evangelist out of Texas. And uh, his name was Lester Roloff. You remember hearing about Lester Roloff? Got to hear him preach several times. What a blessing. What an unusual man. He loved the Lord so much. And he used to sing a little chorus. He and uh, I think the girls that sang with him, he had a ministry of homeless children down in Texas. And I think the, the group that he had were called the Honeybees. The Honeybees. Good name for a group. The Honeybees. But he would sing this song. And I'm not sure if he wrote this or not. I'm going to have Dr. Robertson to come lead us in this little chorus. But he would sing this song, and it went like this. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. Is someone stirring up your bitterness? Is there something, is there some memory, is there something in your life that keeps stirring up bitterness? Well, there's something mighty sweet about the Lord. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. There's something mighty sweet. Would you stand with me? Dr. Robertson, would you come? I've asked him if he would because he can sing. I'm going to ask him if he would lead this chorus. Let's sing it a couple of times, okay? You know it, lift it right out together. Easy words, there's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. Let's sing it together. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. There's something mighty sweet there's something mighty sweet about the Lord there's something mighty sweet about the Lord it really doesn't matter what the people say there's something mighty sweet about to have it one more time there's something mighty sweet about the Lord. There's something mighty sweet about the Lord. It really doesn't matter what the people say. There's something mighty sweet. I'm going to pray and then we'll conclude. I would just exhort you, dear folks, this is personal. This is personal what I've preached on. It's like you're thinking it was nobody's business, but it's God's business. And it's your business to deal with it. Have you recognized in the last few moments that maybe in the last few weeks and months and years you've been defeated? There's something that's defeating you keeping the joy down, and maybe it's bitterness. Someone trespassed 
somebody perhaps messed with your idols. You need to take care of the idols, by the way. Get rid of those. And maybe you've recognized there's some issues that you need to take care of. I'm telling you, it will, it will be a logjam in the blessings of God if you do not seriously look at your heart and take care of this anger, this burning. Blessed Father, thank you for this time today. Thank you for this place, this pulpit. Thank you for the posture of ambassador. Thank you, dear Father, that here's a place that is serious about you, serious about your word, seriously wanting to serve you and honor you with our lives. But dear Father, here's a hindrance to revival. Here's a hindrance to blessings. Here, here, is, here is something that we need to deal with. And if we keep on putting this thing off of, of not dealing with bitterness, by confessing it, and by putting our full concentration upon the Lord Jesus Christ, then, Father, we're going to live defeated lives. Give someone the victory today. May we cut out some time this busy day to come to you and confess this sin of bitterness and give us the sweet grace to get rid of it and to look unto you with full joy. Bless now, in Christ's name I do pray.